is so great to be here. I can't think of a better place uh, than right here with you opening up God's Word on the first day of the year. Amen. All right, so get your Bible out. Let's do what we do. Open your Bible up to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today, Acts, uh, the book of Acts uh, chapter 1. You know, when you, when you start off a new year, it's uh, pretty common that you would ask yourself the question, you know, what do I really want to see happen this year? You know, some of you have already got your goals laid out uh, for this year. Some of you got your vision board already created. Uh, maybe some of you are not quite as detailed about that, but you kind of got some things in mind that you're hoping for, you're wanting to accomplish, you, you hope will happen in your life uh, this year. Uh, and th those are all well and good. I'm, I'm a goal guy too, so I love to do that. But, but really the better question uh, is not what do I want to see happen this year, but uh, what would God see happen in my life? What, what does God want? What does Jesus want to do in my life this year? What would please him? What would honor him? What would he be excited about as we move into this new year? You know, that's really how you make the most of this new year. And uh, that's why we're in the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, what we're seeing here is what God did not only in the past. Yes, we're going to look at what God did in the past in the early church. But it also gives us an idea of what God wants for us now. Right? What God wants to see in his people today. And uh, I have a friend of mine that says Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. And now he wants it the way he started it. Uh, don't you love that? Wish I'd come up with that. Anyway, but that's really why we said the book of Acts, because we're seeing how Jesus started the way he wanted it. And so what would it look like for it to be today the way he started it? And that's why over the next several weeks, we're going to be studying the first few chapters of the book of Acts and just saying, God, do it again. God, do it again in us. Do it again in our church. Do it again in our day. All right. So with that in mind, Acts chapter 1 is, is where we are uh, this morning. Let's just dive right on into it. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Uh, this is the Word of God. Amen? Amen? I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen now stop right there for just a minute. The first two verses of the book of Acts really formulate a, an introduction or a foundation to the book. And so it really kind of helped. We don't want to just kind of fly over that. We want to kind of understand some basic things as we study uh, this book in the, in the weeks ahead. So just kind of look at it with me. Circle the word I there in that very first word, I, first verse, the word I. Uh, this, of course, indicates the author and the author of the book of Acts is Luke. If you, if you don't have that, then you can write that in the margin of your Bible. He's not mentioned specifically, but the early church uh, unanimously confirmed that Luke was the author of the book of Acts. So who was Luke? Well, Luke was a follower of Jesus. He was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was also a, a ministry companion to the Apostle Paul. In fact, you find Luke's name only appearing three times in the New Testament, usually at the end of some of Paul's letters where he mentions people that are with him, and Luke is often listed there as those who stood with him, even in his most difficult times. Luke also is the author of two, a two-volume set. 
actually, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which tells about Jesus and what he said and did. And then you have the book of Acts. So you have Luke writing both the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the book of Acts uh, together. Uh, Luke was the only non-Jew uh, to write in the New Testament. Uh, Luke was a doctor, so he was given to precision and detail, which you're going to see as he uh, writes this narrative together. And while he did not witness the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus himself, he really acts more like an embedded reporter gathering information from eyewitness accounts and putting it all together in a way that we can have and read and understand. If you underline the words first narrative there, he's referring here to the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, it's his first narrative. And really the Gospel of Luke is, is the most chronological of all the Gospels. Uh, Matthew and Mark tend to organize the material around themes. Uh, John fills in the gaps of things that the other Gospel writers left out. But Luke is really, I kind of call him the backbone of the Gospels. I mean, he, is, he lays out an orderly account, a chronological order, uh, so that we kind of understand what Jesus did uh, chronologically. Um, and he really, in the book of Acts, he outlines the first 30 years of the church. If you take the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts and put them together, they comprise over 25% of the New Testament. That's a lot. And so here is Luke, a major contributor to our understanding of who Jesus is and how the early church began. If you ever wonder, man, how did the church even get started? Uh, why are we even here? What's our purpose? Uh, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Uh, well, I'm glad that you're here because that's what we're studying. And you're going to learn about that in the book of Acts, all right? Now I want you to underline the word Theophilus there. Who is this guy? He's obviously writing to Theophilus. There's a lot of mystery around this guy. Nobody really knows who he is. Uh, some people say that he was a skeptic and, and Luke was writing these things to try to win him over to Christ. Uh, some people think that he was a Roman nobleman because uh, he is called the Honorable Theophilus in, in the introduction of Luke's gospel. Uh, but Many people believe that it was Theophilus who actually uh, provided the financial means for Luke to actually give his time to this work of writing the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And if that is the case, then aren't you glad that he did, right? That there was a, gen there was a generous man who, who provided the financial means for us to have uh, both these books, and we're so thankful for it. The purpose of the book of Acts is really to show the expansion of the Christian church uh, throughout the Roman Empire and throughout the world. And of course, the expansion of the gospel is still radiating out. The gospel is still on the move. Somebody say amen to that. The gospel is still on the move. And uh, that's what we're studying here in the book of Acts. Okay, so let's look at verse 3. He said, after he had suffered... Speaking of Jesus, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So after the death of Jesus, this is really where the book of Acts picks up. After the death, after the resurrection of Jesus, that's where the book of Acts starts. 
All right? If you read the Gospel of Luke, you go, okay, well, then what happened? All right? He raises from the, he's risen from the dead. Now what? All right, book of Acts picks up where the Gospel lets off. And it says, for 40 days, Jesus showed himself alive with many convincing proofs. The King James Version calls it infallible proofs. <clears throat> you say, well, like what? Well, like uh, showing up in an upper room with the doors locked and there he, there he is, right? And they're putting their fingers in his hands and in his side. That's pretty convincing. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, how about uh, like making breakfast? I mean, if you had somebody that passed away and they said, oh yeah, I just saw him down at Denny's, you know, <laughs> taking in a short stack, you know, you go, What? How was that possible, all right? That's what happened with Jesus, convincing proofs. But at one point, he revealed himself to over 500 people, the Apostle Paul says, at one time. Uh, that's convincing proofs, infallible uh, proofs that he was alive. And so what is Jesus doing? Not only is he revealing himself over these 40 days that he's alive, but he's teaching them some things. He's talking about one particular theme that he wants them to get in their mind. Now, what in the world would Jesus be pressing into them uh, after his resurrection? What is it? What is it? Look, look, look at what it says here. And he te he's talking to them, verse 3, about the what? The kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ in the hearts of believers that ultimately comes to fruition when he comes again and rules on the earth. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus is talking about it. He's talking about it. God, you got to get this. You got to get this. You got to get this. Now, by the way, this is not the first time that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. In fact, this was an ongoing theme for Jesus uh, when he taught while he was still on the earth. In fact, uh, in in Matthew 13, you see multiple parables that he used to describe the kingdom of God. He talked about the value of the kingdom. That the kingdom, he goes, the kingdom is like, uh, how would I describe it? It's like this treasure in this field. And you figure out, man, it's awesome. And you go sell everything you've got to buy the field so you can have the treasure. The kingdom is the most important thing in your life. It's like finding this pearl. And it's like this, you hit the jackpot. And so you, you give everything you have to possess the pearl. The kingdom is like a guy who goes into his house and he pulls out treasures, old and new. That's what the kingdom of life, man. It's valuable. It's the most important thing in your life. Everything takes backseat to the kingdom of God. Then he says, uh, then he talked a little bit about the expansion of the kingdom. He goes, the kingdom will expand. It's going to grow. It's going to grow rapidly. It's like, uh, um, it's like leaven, all right? And you, and you put a little leaven in a dough and it just quietly permeates the whole thing. Or it's like a, like a little tiny mustard seed. It looks like a little speck of pepper. And yet when you plant it, it grows into this massive tree that the birds even build nests in. It's like, a, it's like a grain of wheat. And you throw it in the ground and it comes up, but it produces fruit and it multiplies. That's what the kingdom of God is like, guys. It's the most valuable thing. It's going to grow and permeate and fill the whole world. I mean, you get the idea what he's talking about? Then he talks about the culmination of the kingdom. When Christ comes, the king comes, he's going to separate those who belong to him and those who don't. Like a, like a, 
sheep and the goats, a shepherd will separate, or a fisherman will throw out the good fish and the bad fish. He said the kingdom will come. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He's like, guys, 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 got to get this kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. I've been telling you about it. I've been talking about it. Now it's happening. It's happening now. The kingdom is about to explode. The kingdom is on the move. God is doing something new. God is, God, is the, God is going to fuel you with the power of his spirit to spread the kingdom of God around the whole world. I mean, he's, he's pretty fired up about it, right? And he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about uh, the kingdom. Listen, uh, it's always been about the kingdom. Hey, get this, listen in. It still is all about the kingdom. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, it's all about me, man. My world revolves around me. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. The world revolves around Jesus and his kingdom. He's got to be, he's the centerpiece around which everything revolves. What, What does God want for me? What does he want for our church? That Jesus Christ will be the center and his kingdom will be our focus and our drive, and our mission, and our vision to ever expand and to always offer up to those who do not know Christ the value and the beauty and the wonder of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said it's all about uh, the kingdom. And I can just imagine at this point, I mean, he's talking about the kingdom. The kingdom's here. It's here. It's here. And I can imagine it's kind of like a, kind of like a football team in the locker room and they're ready to charge out on the field. They're like, Ooh, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's get it on. Let's, I mean, they're, they're fired up about uh, the kingdom. And then this is what he says in verse four. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait uh, for the father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. All right, so they're fired up. They're ready to charge the field. The kingdom's on the move. And then he says, oh, wait. (laughs) How many of you like waiting? Anybody? Anybody love to wait? Like you love those long lines at the grocery store when they're, every cash register is closed but one and they're like 25 people in line. You love that, right? You love waiting on planes when you're kind of in the back of the plane. And every, don't you love those people that are trying to crowd their way through? You know, I'm like, really, man? I mean, just, just wait, you know? We, we love waiting on the phone. We love waiting in the doctor's office. We love waiting for our Amazon package that didn't show up at Christmas time, you know? We love waiting. No, we don't. We, we want to go. We want to go. We want to move. We want to advance. We want to do something. And Jesus said, here, guys, I know you're fired up, but you got to wait. Why? Because he knew that the kingdom of God could only advance, could only multiply by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something they could do on their own. It's not something they could manufacture. They couldn't have this really slick org chart or this really cool business plan or this really cool uh, marketing strategy or, oh yeah, we got this pyramid thing going on, you know. No, no, it's not going to work like that. It's only going to work as you are filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Listen, God wants to do some really great things in your life. I believe God wants us to do great things in the life of this church, don't you? Some awesome things, things that we've never seen before, things that we could only dream about. 
We, we've not even hit full stride to the things that God would do in the life of our church, but it's not going to happen in our own strength. It can only happen by the power of his spirit working through us. And so Jesus goes, guys, you got to wait. You got to wait. You know, waiting is part of the process. Some of you are waiting on some things right now. Some of you are waiting on some things to heal physically, relationally. Some of you are waiting on God to, to fulfill some promises that he's made to you. Some of you are waiting uh, for God to go before you in some decision. Waiting is a part of the process. And waiting is not wasted time. Waiting is waiting on God's time and asking God to fill you and empower you for the work uh, that he has uh, for you. Um, so Jesus said, wait. Wait for what? Look at it. Wait for the Father's promise. I love that. that that's a name of the Holy Spirit, the Father's promise. Isn't that great? I love that. He said, you need to wait for the Father's promise, which is the Holy Spirit. What, what is the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk more about this uh, next week in depth. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God existing as one God, uh, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who indwells believers at conversion. The Holy Spirit is the one that lifts up Jesus and always points people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you uh, to serve him. And he said, you need to wait for this promise of the Father. Jesus had been talking about the Holy Spirit's coming. In fact, that was one of the things he talked to him about in the upper room. In John 14, he said, I will ask the Father and he will send you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. He said, another counselor like me, another one like me. He said, the spirit, just as I taught you, the spirit's gonna teach you. Just as I, I led you, the spirit of God's gonna lead you. Just as I was with you physically, the spirit of God is gonna be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is gonna come, I promise. And he said, now you have to wait for it. In verse five, he said, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit in just a few days. Next week, we're gonna talk about what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about that next week in detail. But I just wanna give you a little hint. He says, in just a few days. He's talking about an event that's going to happen. Something that's gonna to happen to them that will be a game changer for them as the Holy Spirit empowers them to do the mission, this expansion of the kingdom that God had called them to do. Now look at verse eight. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I, I think all this talk about, man, the kingdom's here, the kingdom's advancing, wait for the Spirit, the Spirit's coming. I mean, the kingdom advancing, Spirit coming. They're just like, whoa, whoa, man, we can't wait. And he's like, uh, they're so excited, and I can just kind of see a hand in the back of the room go up, and they're like, uh, Jesus, is, when is this going to happen exactly? Are we there yet? Just like the kid in the back of the minivan, right? Are we there yet? Jesus, when is this going to happen? How is it going to happen? What are we going to do? What are we going to look like? You know, all this kind of, all these questions, boom, 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 boom. And Jesus said, hey, it's not for you to know all that. You know, we have a lot of questions coming into this year, don't we? how's this going to work out? And how's that going to work out? And, and, and am, am I going to get this thing? Am I going to move in this way? Or how do we work this out? How do we, we have so many questions. 
But the main thing we need are not answers to our questions. The main thing we need is what Jesus said here. We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God in this new year. Let me say that one more time. What you need are not answers to your questions. What you need is greater dependency on the Holy Spirit. We don't need resolutions. What we need is a reliance on the Spirit of God. We don't need new plans. We need to be perfectly be yielded and say, God, I'm at the end of my rope. God, I've got no answers. God, I don't know. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me wisdom and direction for what you want in my life. If you were to ask me, what does Jesus want for you in this new year? What Jesus wants for our church in this new year? I would say greater dependency and reliance on his spirit to work through us. That's what we need. And let me just tell you what, some of this is preaching to myself because, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to cycle through. I, and I, here I am getting a little uh, personal with you, but I, just in my own personal heart and spirit, I kind of go through, charge the hill. And then like, oh gosh, I got to rate and ask God to move and lead. Then charge the hill. And I just keep, I keep moving, but I've got to, I constantly reminding myself, Craig, you got to wait on the spirit of God to lead. You got to wait on him. You got to wait for God to lead you and direct you because you can't do anything apart from him, right? Somebody say that's right. Listen, you can't do anything apart from the spirit of God. He wants to fill you. He wants to use you, but you've got to rest and wait on him. Zechariah 4, 6, I love this. Not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Greater dependency, greater reliance, greater yieldedness to, greater responsiveness to, greater attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants in us. That's what he wants in you. So let me just say that there are two things you can practically do to help you grow in this area. You may say, well, I'm not really sure. How do I grow in that? How do I get better at depending and relying and listening to and waiting on and yielding to the Spirit of God? How can I do that? There are two things you can do that put you in a position to have to rely on the Holy Spirit, all right? And these are two things you can do this year to actually increase your dependency on God, all right? Are you ready for them? Somebody say, I'm ready. All right, here's the first one. If you're jotting notes, write this first thought down. Uh, number one is witness. Look at, look at again at the end of verse eight. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. What does Jesus want? What did he call them to do? Be a witness. Be a witness. You know, a witness in a court of law doesn't have to be an expert. They just have to tell what they've seen. And what they've heard. And this theme of witness is all the way through the book of Acts, especially in the first couple of uh, chapters, uh, uh, multiple times, witness, witness. For example, we see this in Acts 2, uh, verse 32. We are all witnesses. Acts 3.15, we are witnesses of this. Acts 5.32, we are witnesses of these things. Acts 10.39, we ourselves are witnesses of everything he did. 
I love this, Acts 4.20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I love that. Man, we just, we've seen it. These men had seen some things. They had witnessed some things. And they could not hold back what they had seen. You know, in 2007, uh, Nike came out with a, a new ad and the new ad simply said, we were witnesses, right? It was kind of this idea that, man, we were at the game. You know, when that, when that happened, you know, when that pass, you know, was caught or that incredible move or we were at that game when they uh, missed that field goal. I'm not bringing that up, but we were at that game. You know, when this happened, we were there, man. We were witnesses of this. That's the idea. Well, that's what Jesus calls us to be simply be witnesses of the power of God that we've seen in our own life. Let me just say this. Hey, check this out. I think many believers are not active in sharing their faith just because they just haven't seen God do a lot recently. Like when was the last time you say, man, I just saw God at work, man. I, I just, man, my life's been changed. I just, the relationship with Christ is growing in such a way I just can't help but talk about it. That's what these guys were like. And if you're, if you're not being a witness to the Lord Jesus, then maybe you need to go back and think about all that he's done for you and ask him to stir this up again in your own heart. He said, you need, I'm calling you to be what? To be a witness. Well, where? Where am I to be a witness? Look, he, he tells us very clearly here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. Jerusalem are the people that are close to you. Judea are the people around you. Samaria are the people different than you. Uh, the world are the people far from you. In other words, it's kind of like concentric circles moving out. You're going to start where you are, start in your own family, start with your neighborhood, your, where you go to school with, the, your old high school friends, whatever the case is, and then you start to move out, ever-increasing circles, radiating out the kingdom of God being witnesses in these areas. You, you may say, well, Craig, I'm not really sure how I would do that. I mean, I, you know, that sounds really great, but I'm just one person. How in the world can I be a part of being a witness to Jesus all over the world? Uh, I got a really good answer for you. Just join in on what we're doing here. It's pretty easy, right? Just get involved in what's happening right here because our church takes very seriously uh, the command to make disciples and to be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. Uh, let me give you an example of that. Jerusalem, uh, just this last month, uh, we were involved, over 600 of you uh, poured into local schools in needy areas uh, overnight of hope to be a witness to Jesus Christ and to pray for people who are hurting and give them gifts and show them the love of Jesus Christ. 600 people. Uh, many of you are a part of our Freedom Church ministry and halfway houses across our area. Last year, 48 people prayed to receive Jesus Christ through that ministry. Isn't that exciting? 48 people prayed to receive Christ through, through that ministry. That's being a witness right here in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea. Let's think about that. Last year, 764 people visited our church for the first time. 
764. 351 people raised their hand and prayed to receive Christ in our services this last year. 351. 1,200 pastors were trained. 6,000 people were resourced with tools to make disciples all across the United States because of the ministry of our church right here. We're involved in making disciples and training up leaders in our Judea. If you look at Samaria and the world, of course, you know about our church plants. We have 13 church plants all over the world. Uh, we're adding on two more that we actually planted before we had the Cross Creek Network. So we're kind of grandfathering them in. That moves us up to 15. And then we got two. They're already working with us. said, would you please let us in your network because we want to plant churches with you. And we're like, oh, okay. And so we're bringing them in. So that means now we're a family of 17 kids and we're all around the world world focused on witnessing for Jesus Christ and making disciples till he comes. That's pretty fired up about that. Now listen, when you just get involved, it's not that hard. Just get involved. Just, hey, when we say, hey, we're going to do something in our community, go and be a part of it. When we say, hey, we need some people to go overseas and work with one of our planners, buy a ticket. When we say, hey, we, you know, we, we, need some, we need to fund this new church plant, then, then give generously. And many of you have. In fact, by the way, I didn't even mention this, that, that you gave, this is blowing me away. You gave almost right at $800,000 to raising up the next generation of pastors and leaders for our Cross Creek residency that we're starting this next uh, fall. And I'm fired up about that. Thank you so much for your generosity. Let's celebrate God for that, eh? Unbelievable. Raising up the next pastors, the next leaders, the next church planters right here to plant churches all over the world. That's what Jesus said he wants us to do. So if you want to stretch yourself and really have to depend on the Holy Spirit, buy a ticket. Right? If you want to stretch yourself, go, go to some of our neighborhoods around here. If you want to stretch yourself, get involved in Freedom Church. If you want to stretch yourself in some areas, get involved in inviting someone to Christ. And all of a sudden you'll, you'll realize, Lord, I can't do this on my own. He's like, that's right. That's what I've been telling you. But my spirit will fill you and use you if you trust me. So witness is one great way that you can really grow. Let me give you one more and then we'll close out. Just write the word Pray. The first one is witness. The second one is pray. Look, run your finger down to verse 12. And when they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away, when they arrived, they went to the upper room, up, uh, room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Get this. And they were continually united in prayer along with women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they've received this commission from Jesus to be his witnesses on the Mount of Olives. Jesus is taken up into heaven. These two angels uh, appear. They say, guys, why are you staring up into heaven like you just lost your balloon, right? They're just staring up there looking at and they said, hey, the same Jesus who left in that way will come again in like manner. And so they go across the Kindred Valley up to the upper room. And it said they were continually united in prayer. One of the ways that you can grow in your dependency on the Holy Spirit is by continually seeking God on your knees. 
How many of you would agree that, man, this year I really need to grow in my prayer life? Anybody agree? Hands up if you say, man, I really would like to increase my prayer life this year. Yeah, I think, you know, my hand's up too. Prayer life is like never an area that I feel like I'm, I'm fully dialed in. I always want to feel like I need to continually grow in that area. And that may be you. You're like, I'm not really sure how to do that. Well, you're in luck because you can kickstart your prayer life and your dependency on God's spirit with us by joining in our 21-day prayer challenge. Some of you received this bracelet when you came in the door. If you didn't, they're still there for you to pick up on the way out. And we provided for you a 21-day prayer challenge that we can all do together. So I'd encourage you to be a part of it. It starts tomorrow, okay? The prayer challenge starts tomorrow. And if you will go to our front page of our website or the front page of the app, you click on the 21-day prayer challenge. And what we're going to do is follow the prayers of Jesus for 21 days. And what we'll give you is a, a verse, a prayer prompt for every day. And then if you watch the Morning Thrive starting tomorrow, there is a Morning Thrive video that kind of goes deeper into an explanation about that prayer challenge for every single day for, through those 21 days. And I encourage you to wear this bracelet to remind you to be continually in prayer for yourself, for your family, and for our church. Because I believe as we're praying together that God is going to draw close to us. Don't you believe that? The prayers, James says, the prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So listen, what does Jesus want for you this year? He wants you to rely on his spirit more and more and more. He wants you to depend on him, to rely on him, to be like a, like a vine in the branch, dependent and reliant and deeply, vitally connected to him. And one of the ways, two ways you can grow in that area is by being a witness for Jesus and being in prayer with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, I believe the greatest days are ahead, amen? The greatest days are ahead. But we can't do it on our own strength. We've gotta rely on him to work through us. Once you bow your heads with me for just a minute, and let's just take a minute to surrender ourselves in a fresh new way to the Lord. Just in the quietness of this moment, say, Lord, I really wanna depend on you this year. I really want you to work through me this year. God, I want to see you move in power this year. Just tell him that. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And Lord, thank you that you make your spirit available to us, that you actually come and dwell in us by your Holy Spirit, that we're never alone, we're never abandoned, we're never on our own, that you're always with us. This is the Father's promise to us. And Lord, just as you moved in the early church and filled them with your spirit as they were witnesses and as they prayed together, united in prayer, Lord, I pray that you would fill us again as we seek to be witnesses of you, Lord Jesus, to the ends of the earth. And as we unite ourselves over these next 21 days to pray together, God, move in us. God, work through us. God, change us. God, lead us. God, empower us. God, perfect us. God, grow us. God, mature us into the likeness of Jesus.
And Lord, I pray that as we look back on this year, we would see that this year was a year that you really moved in our lives personally and you really moved in our family and you really moved in our church, not for our glory, but for yours because it's all about your kingdom. It's all about you, Jesus. We just want you to be the center of our life around which everything revolves. So Lord, fill us. Lord, use us for that purpose that all glory and honor would be to you, King Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? And we're gonna close out uh, this morning uh, just singing that hymn, uh, Glory Be to God, uh, again. So let's, uh, John Mark, would you lead us as we sing together?